Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Radio with Rosita and Robert. It is the 27th of March, 2016, and as always, I'm joined here at the helm with my brother in the martial arts and esteemed co-host, Sifu Robert Eagle. Sifu Bob, how you doing today? Good, good. It's been hot down in Southern California. My God, it was in the 80s today. It was ridiculously hot. <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my auntie is in town. Uh, for the for, for about a month, uh, helping to uh, take care of my mom, and uh, she recently not recently last last year a year and a half ago she retired and moved back to the Philippines, and now she's here and she's like always saying I'm I'm Batil, I'm I'm Batil. that means like it's it's cold, and I'm like eh, it's it's okay it's in the 50s she's like it's cold like it's it's rainy and hot over in the Philippines right now it's crazy and I'm like oh well. I get that from Bob too. <laughs> no, you didn't so, get it hot. I just, yeah, it's just hot. Yeah, you know, and it, I I kind of like it, you know, because I, I, like so you know the Philippines, uh, anywhere in the tropics, Los Angeles, it's a great place to visit. But I know I get to come back to Seattle where it's temperate, <laughs> so it's like <laughs> that way I don't have to worry about like dying. But you know the days that we have triple digit weather over here. Um, I, I feel for you guys because, you know, our, our humidity is different. It's not like a heavy humidity, but it's like, you don't really, you just feel the heat, but it just drags you down. It's crazy. And and, And that's during the day. And then at night, the humidity like pops up out of everything, the trees, the buildings, people, and it's just awful. Can't go to sleep. And yeah, anyway, Anyway, but it's nice and rainy over here. It's cool. <laughs> it's about yeah, as oh, always. As always, it's cool. I think it's about oh, I don't know, forty-eight degrees right now. So, anyhow, all right. Nice. So my 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 wife had a sleepover with our granddaughter last night. Oh, how cute! It was it was adorable. We were laughing at the mother because, like a first-time mother. They're like calling you. How is she doing? Oh, I miss her so much. And by the second kid or when the first kid four or five, you're throwing them at people. Please give me a break for a day. Right? <laughs> you're right, right. So we, we, all, we all went, to, because, you know, the first kid's goal. The second's like, eh, we've done it before. We can do it again. You know, it's not a big deal yeah. after the first one. Right. So we went to breakfast this morning. And usually... They have the at, at these restaurants. They have these big high chairs, right? Mm-hmm. And what you do is you take the car seat and you put them on the high chair. Well, right. the restaurant we chose this morning had these little tiny stupid ass high chairs. They were ridiculous. Okay, this isn't going to work. We're just going to put the car seat on a regular chair. 
Well, my son's messing around with his daughter, and I hear this, be careful, and out of the corner of my eye, I don't know if it was my peripheral, but I saw the car seat start to rock backwards. Oh, off of the no. Seat. Oh, my God. I had, a, I had a fork full of food in my hand. I swear to God, this was, this, this was the funniest thing because my wife said to me just a few minutes ago, it happened so fast, I didn't know what happened. My hand <laughs> left the table and grabbed the car seat without even looking. I was just like, hey. <laughs> it was like, snatch the baby grasshopper. <laughs> You know, it's it's stuff like that, you know, stuff like that that turns you into a martial arts master and, and spiders. In my case. But <laughs> all right. So listeners, our phone number here is three, four, seven, six, seven, seven, zero, six, nine, nine. Tune in because a little bit later at about six thirty or so, we're going to be talking about cross training in the martial arts. What are its pros? What are its cons? And we're going to be joined by several Master of Martial Artists, we've got uh, David Reed that'll be joining us. He's from Tang Sudo, Sifu Clark Tang, a Wing Chun master, Tony Collins, a Kenpo grandmaster, and Professor Patrick McDaniel of Kaju Kenbo. And if there's anyone that, that I want to hear talk about mixed martial arts and cross training, it's Professor McDaniel. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Kaju Kenbo, the first original mixed martial art in the United States. So, uh, tune in because we'll be talking uh, about uh, subjects of, regarding cross training in the martial arts. All right. So right on. I, you know, well, Rusty, I have a question for you. I have a question. If if pathways in office buildings are called uh, hallways, mm-hmm. does does that mean that pathways in psychiatric hospitals should be called psychopaths? Oh my god! <laughs> are you serious? Oh my god! That's where's my oh. rim shot? Oh, I'm so slow. <laughs> it's because you know okay. these are the things I think about. You know, it's you know I I used to think about that stuff too before it used to you know people used to pass around the memes and stuff you know like why are why are driveways called driveways when you park in the driveway and you drive on a parkway you know stuff like that. <laughs> Psychopath that deserves right. a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Very cool. You know, it's, why, it's why is the people in charge of the of all of the outdoors called the Department of the Interior? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, my God. We could think about this all day. And, you know, you guys out there that are listening, if you can think of any more weird thoughts like that. Go ahead and give us a call, 347-677-0699. We're going to be doing our first segment starting now. So you have until 630 to just give us any weird random thought. You know, that should be a, a, another segment on the show, you know, Rusty and Bob's random thoughts. Random thoughts. Um, <laughs> we should. Oh, my God. I wonder about the weirdest crap, both in martial arts and in general. Just, you know, stuff out of left field. People go, where the hell did that come from? All right. Well, let's right. get moving on. So while we're moving on, why don't we get started with birthdays? Who do you have for birthdays on your end there, Bob? Well, this was the one I announced last week that made me feel old. My, 
Our five-year-old flower girl is turning 35 today. Aubrey Marie Foster. Uh, Master, Sheehan, Billy B. Vert, martial arts extraordinaire, top radio DJ in L.A. for, a, for many, many years. His birthday is on the 28th. Uh, his brother in the martial arts and mine, uh, Master Mark Parra, his birthday is on the 29th. A mutual friend of ours, Sifu Mike Mather, his birthday is on the 30th. Uh, Frank Marquez, uh, which I believe you met the last time you were down here. Yes, uh, yes, very His birthday very is nice. on the 1st. Uh, a master in Weichiru Karate, Don Joyner, his birthday is on the 2nd. And Grandmaster Joseph Miller, his birthday is also on the 2nd. Right on. I just have a couple. I want to wish a happy birthday to Dan Haney. He's a black belt instructor um, under Ernie Reyes Sr. His birthday is on the 31st. And uh, happy birthday to a good friend of mine and uh, a wonderful senior member of PAMA and AME, uh, Zosia Gorbati. And un- unfortunately, I didn't put the date of her birthday, but I could swear it was on the 31st. <laughs> so I'm just going to guess on that. I know it's this week. <laughs> so happy birthday, everyone. And to everyone having a birthday the week of March 27th to April 1st. Wait, second, April second. Did I get that right? Yeah, April second. Yes. This tune is for you. Sing happy birthday to you, and may all your dreams come true. Happy, happy birthday. on your side there, Bob. Oh crap. Let me put your let me try putting your, your mic on. How about that? Sorry. No, wait a minute. You know why this is the first. Usually it's me who presses mute and I forget. And usually Bob, Bob, are you there? Oh oh Bob, are you there? No. This time I was talking to air. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, it yeah. Mm-hmm. Just just for that, this is gonna cost you dearly. A couple oh, things. Lord. One, my my daughter my daughter got accepted into Berkeley. 
Okay, she needs some crowd cheering going on here. Here we go. Come on, cheer, 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 cheer. Come on, folks. Yeah. Right on. Cheer, everybody. Okay. And and another cra- and and another crazy thought. Are eyebrows considered facial hair? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I'm bump. Yes. <laughs> They, you know, I don't, I don't understand why they don't consider it facial hair, you know? And, yeah, yeah, and uh, do, ve- do vegetarians eat animal crackers? <laughs> Are you okay? Now, speaking of eyebrows, let's move back a little bit on the eyebrow thing, because this is what I don't, this is what I don't understand. I'm going to talk about my fellow women here, Okay. Okay, we're talking about here. I'm talking from a a, a a position of natural eyebrows, never been plucked. Okay, what I don't understand, ladies, why do y'all pluck your eyebrows? And some of you pluck them all off only to draw them in. Why? Why do you do that? Oh, oh when you're here, I have got to take you to go go to IHOP down here, where every waitress in there. Shaves her eyebrows and draws them back in. So every what? time you walk into that IHOP, all the waitresses look surprised. I, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't understand. This, somebody make me understand. I understand if you have sparse eyebrows, right? Because certain medications, you know, chemo, radiation therapy, that kind of thing, will make your eyebrows disappear. Okay, you know, draw them in or whatever. But to purposefully shave them off, pluck them out, and then draw them in, go figure. Okay, so that was, I, you know, we do need to make a, a, a new segment called Rusty and Bob's Random Thoughts. So I guess that was Rusty and Bob's Random Thoughts segment. All right, so announcements. Well, Here we go. Then I got one more for you. When does okay. it go from, when, when, when does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you that from a Seattleite's point of view. Okay, partly cloudy is when you can tell that there's going to be a little bit of sun sometime during the day. Partly sunny means that the clouds are just being a nuisance. So more sun is partly sunny, you know, and more cloud is is partly cloudy. Yeah. So anyhow, okay, two announcements. Here we go. We got Dragon Fest coming up now. We got it on July 9th, which is really cool. We got we got Peter Riff coming in from uh, where is he from? Virginia. Virginia. He's coming in, staying in, in town, and we're gonna have some fun while he's here, yeah. uh, which is really cool. Now I called Michael at the museum. I wanted to go renew my membership. It's it's uh, up on this Friday on April 1st, uh, mm-hmm. but it was closed being Easter. And I said, uh, I asked Michael, you know, how many tickets do we get for our booth? And he said, you get two. I said, okay. I said, so mm-hmm. we invited Kathy Long to join us, uh, so we're going to buy her ticket. And he says, how about if I just give you two booths? I'm just going to give you. Right? That way you get four tickets. I was like, wow. So we're wow. going to have the legendary Kathy Long sitting next to us mm-hmm. and being involved right. with us. Yes. Yes, uh, so for, that's going to be like really cool. It's going to be fun. And for our listeners out there that missed it, uh, Kathy Long has recently joined the Dynamic Dojo fold. 
as a periodic guest co-host. She's going to be joining us every quarter on a quarterly basis, every three months, um, to talk about anything. To because we'll we'll always have a open floor dojo when she's uh, when she's around, and uh, yeah, it'll 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 just be fun. Her first go round as a guest co-host was last week the 20th and it was a great discussion it's just so informative and a couple people called in um to add their two cents and it, it was great so it'll be it'll be great to have kathy sitting next to us representing herself as well as us and i think that would be a little bit better because you know i mean there's enough people coming to our booth anyway just to say hi and kind of blocking the area alongside the um side. who was next to us last year because that whole corner uh, was locked off. Yeah, that was uh, Art Camacho last year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Art Camacho. Yeah. So that whole corner was blocked off where we were at. Where we were at. So if we if we have Kathy at our table, it's going to be crazy. So it, it'll be cool to kind of spread it out a little bit, even if it's just five feet. <laughs> you know? And she'll be right there next to us, helping us do live interviews and stuff. It'll be great. So July 9th, folks. You know, get your tickets for Dragon Fest. And it's going to be held where again? The Airtel Plaza Motel on Sherman Way and near Hazel Team uh, in mm-hmm. the city of Van Nuys, right across from Van Nuys Airport. In fact, the back door of Van Nuys is Van Nuys Runway. Uh, so oh, it'll be way. cool. Yeah. Very cool. How far uh, is Van Nuys this- from where you are? Uh, I could probably make it there 20, 25 minutes on streets. Oh, really? Okay. So it's kind of like, uh, South center for us. Um, streets. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Right on. All right. Well, uh, I have one there's a lot more oh, booths this year. There will, there will be amazing booths this year. Uh, oh. we've gotten way, way like twice as much room. It's going to be a blast. Right. Right. It'll be great. It'll be very cool. You know what I was thinking, Bob, speaking of which, you know, since uh, Kathy's going to be next to us, I don't think she has a banner like we do. So I'm thinking, you know, with my with my networking contacts or whatever, I'll have to ask her if she wants a banner and I can get one made for her. Yeah, I've been thinking we, about me with our logo and her picture. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it I think I think that would be kind of cool. And a T-shirt. Remind me to get her a T-shirt for for Dynamic Dojo. Okay. All right. That would be awesome. Yes. All right. And I've got one announcement. Um, July 20th through the 24th. It's going to be a busy month. Um, At North Central College in Naperville, Illinois, um, is the Pacific Association. I shouldn't say it's the Pacific Association. It's the Tri-Alliance Women's Martial Arts (laughs) Training Camp. Now, as uh, some of our listeners know, I'm a member of PAMA, the Pacific Association of Women Martial Artists, um, and currently serving <clears throat> my last year on the board of directors. And uh, for years, we've been working on a tri-alliance, a tri-organization camp. Now, there are three main organizations for martial arts for women here in the United States. We've got PAMA. And then we've got AME, which is the Association of Women's uh, Martial Arts Instructors, and NWMAF, the National Women's Martial Arts Federation. These are the three uh, big organizations in the United States, East Coast, kind of East Coast and Midwest, and then 
the West Coast. And uh, for years, we've been working on getting the three organizations together to hold one big camp in lieu of our separate camps throughout the summer. Now, a couple reasons why we decided to do this. Number one, you know, with camps, you know, normally being done during the summer or early autumn, it, it became kind of hard to not overlap camps, even by like a week. A week, two weeks, that's, that's too soon between camps because, you know, that's a lot of money you have to spend all in one lump sum, right? So right. we decided, well, why don't we just have one camp? So we, you know, we threw the idea around for a while, and the boards of directors of all three, three uh, camps said, hey, you know, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. So we've, it's finally in fruition. This is the year that we're going to do it, and it's going to be huge. We're expecting anywhere between three to 500 participants coming to this camp. And uh, this camp is open to any woman or teen girl that is in the martial arts, doesn't matter what experience level you are, um, or even if you're interested in martial arts and want to kind of get a, a buffet taste, of what different martial arts are, come to this camp because all of these organizations, this is a plug for all the organizations, all the organizations were specifically founded to provide support for women and teen girls in the martial arts because all of these um, organizations, um, and I only know a lot about PAMA, but, you know, with PAMA, it was founded in the early 70s when martial arts was still primarily a male dominated activity and to find a woman in a martial arts class was was rare you know women were far uh, few and far between many times you were the only woman in a class if you were in a martial arts class and um you know women had to go through some struggles through the martial arts um not necessarily to prove themselves but to to kind of a lot of times get over the stereotype that martial arts isn't for them. So these organizations were founded to provide that kind of support and to provide a place where they could meet other women in the martial arts. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like a support group where you get to kick each other's butt while doing so. It's kind of cool. So women, I, I, you know, I implore you, you know, look up um, PAMA or AME or NWMAF. Okay. Um, I know our website, it's uh, P-A-W-M-A dot org, www.pama.org. It's got all the information on how to register and stuff like that. So unfortunately, the deadline for instructors and presenters has ended. So pretty soon we're going to be learning the identities of our esteemed instructors. So July 20th through the 24th, Naperville, Illinois, North Central College. Be there or be square. All right. <laughs> and that's it for that. All right. Uh, have any other announcements there, Sifu Bob? No, but I do have a question for you. People say they slept like a baby. Or why is it that people say they slept like a baby when a baby wakes up every few hours? <laughs> Go figure. And, you know, if you, and if you wake up after sleeping like a baby, does someone have to change your underwear? Go figure. I don't know. All right. No, actually, they only have to change their underwear. I figure it depends. Oh, oh God. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. That was good. That was good, though. That was 
<laughs> that was pretty good. I, uh, I, I still can't believe I really said that. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the health news. Here we go. Okay. Okay, so, you know, with the popularity of, uh, you know, working out and watching weight, okay, this particular story is to let our listeners know that fat is just as important than weight alone for optimal health. Okay, a lot of people depend on the bathroom scale. And, you know, the scale shows a good number of uh, how much of that weight is, you know, is coming off. Okay. But when you look at that scale, how much of that weight is fat, not muscle? So new studies are adding to the evidence that the scale doesn't always tell the whole story when it comes to weight-related health risks. So keeping body fat low is more important for healthy aging than a low overall weight, researchers report this week in the journal of internal medicine. And, you know, and that's what a lot of people do. People will go, oh, how much do I weigh? Oh, I'm 130. Okay, yay. But, you know, if you've still got um, a weird fat to lean muscle ratio, you could still be unhealthy. Now, a separate study found young people who aren't physically fit are at a greater risk of developing type 2 diabetes later in life, even if their weight is considered, quote, unquote, healthy. Now, here's some things to know, okay? <clears throat> BMI, isn't it important? Well, yeah, it is. BMI is body mass index, and it's a measure of a person's weight compared to their height. Now, for many people, that's plenty of evidence to tell if they're overweight or obese, and thus at increased risk of heart disease, diabetes, premature death, and so on. Now, generally, a BMI of 25 and above indicates overweight, while 30 and above indicates obesity. So for someone who's like 5'9", Someone who is at five foot nine would hit that obesity threshold at two hundred and three pounds. So that's kind of kind of an example. Now BMI though isn't a perfect measure. Some people have a high BMI because they're more muscular. Go figure. More common are people who have too little muscle and too much body fat, even if their BMI is in the normal range. Body composition shifts as we age. Yeah, don't I know that? Okay. With the, with the proportion of muscle decreasing and the proportion of body fat increasing. Now, that slows metabolism, making it easier to put on pounds in, in middle age, even if people haven't changed how they eat or how much they exercise. Now, Dr. William Leslie of the University of Manitoba wondered if poorly measured body fat might help explain the controversial, quote-unquote, obesity paradox in which some studies have suggested that being moderately overweight later in life might be good for survival. Hmm, go figure. Now, Dr. Leslie tracked 50,000 middle-aged or older Canadians, mostly women, who'd undergone screening for bone thinning, um, also known as osteoporosis. Now, those screening x-rays, known as DXA, for dual-energy x-ray absorb... I can't even say this. Absorptiometry... Okay, absorptiometry. Um, it measures bone, uh, measure, measures bone, and also allows an estimation of fat. Okay, a higher body, a higher body fat percentage, independent of a person's BMI, was linked to reduced survival. Doctor Leslie reported, risk began rising when body fat was in the range of 36 to 38 percent 
interestingly, being underweight also was linked to reduced survival, possibly reflecting age-related frailty. It's not just the amount of body fat you've got, but what you're actually made of, Dr. Leslie concludes. Now, fitness counts. A high BMI is one of the biggest risk factors in type 2 diabetes, but a second study reported in the annals suggests that people still can be at risk if they're skinny but not physically fit. Now, how many times have you seen that, Bob? You know, the thin thin women that can't, like, you know, lift their way out of a paper bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, they look good. Don't get me wrong. They look good. But sorry, ladies and, and gents, if you're not physically fit, that's that's going to be a that's going to make or break your health later. Now, researchers in Sweden and New York checked records of about 1.5 million Swedish men who at age 18 received medical exams from mandatory military service and tracked how many developed diabetes many years later. Low muscle strength and low aerobic fitness each were associated with an increased diabetes risk, regardless of whether the men were normal weight or overweight. Scoring low on both added to the risk. So what do these findings mean in these studies? For diabetes, normal weight persons may not receive appropriate lifestyle counseling if they are sedentary or unfit because of their lower perceived risk, wrote obesity specialist Pete Katz-Marzik uh, of Louisiana's Pennington Biomedical Research Center, who wasn't involved in the actual study. Now, that study also suggests fitness in adolescents can have a long-lasting impact. And Leslie said doctors should consider patients' body composition, not just weight, in assessing their health. How to tell. <clears throat> now, most DXA scan for fat, stressed Dimpna Gallagher, who directs the Human Body Composition Laboratory at Columbia University Medical Center, and thinks those tests are, far, are more for research than real life. Other methods for determining body compositions range from measuring skin fold thickness to bioimpedance scales that use a tiny electrical current, but all have varying degrees of error, Gallagher said. Plus, normal body fat varies with age, and there's no agreement right now on the best cutoffs for optimal health, she said. Her recommendation, check your waistline, even if your BMI is normal. Abdominal fat, an apple-shaped figure, is riskier than fat that settles on the hips. The government says men are at increased risk of health problems if their waist circumference is larger than 40 inches and 35 inches for women. Well, there you go. So you got to pay attention to the fat also, other than just the weight alone for optimal health. There we go. All right, and that's it for my health news. And now it's time for Bob. Weird News. All right. So, uh because you're having a co- you're, you're you were having a coughing fit. <laughs> yes. I will go ahead and read the weird news. I just got to got to find my my notes here. Wow, you're still not over that cough. Sounds like the, the no. things that I get every year. So, all right. Now, <laughs> this is funny. Man arrested for an overdue <laughs> Freddie Got Fingered video rental from 2002. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I know. This is weird. Okay. Now, like the rest of America, James Myers Jr. had forgotten about the 2001 Tom Green flick, Freddie Got Fingered, a movie so bad 
that Roger Ebert likened it to a vomitorium in a zero-star review. Zero stars. <laughs> okay. Now, memories of the stomach-turning comedy came flooding back to the North Carolina dad this week when he was unexpectedly busted for, re- for failing to return a VHS rental to a local video store way back in 2002. That movie, Myers said, Freddie got fingered. <laughs> What's that about? Freddie got... Okay, I never anyway. saw it. I don't know. I, ne- I don't know. It just sounds like a dirty movie. But anyway. It does, I doesn't don't- it? It does. Okay. Now, Myers said, I don't even remember ever owning it, renting it, or watching it, he told NBC News. Really, everything from more than 10 years ago is a blur. The Concord Police Department fingered Myers after stopping him for a broken brake light while driving his 10-year-old daughter to school. It was then the cops discovered there was a warrant out for his arrest for failing to return the video. Myers, a 37-year-old caterer and DJ, said he had no clue what was going on when the police officer told him to get out of the car. Even during previous unrelated court hearings and other traffic stops, he never got any inkling he was wanted for failing to return a movie. The officer didn't arrest Myers at the scene, but have him come down to the station to be served with a warrant. When he showed up, he was handcuffed at the magistrate's office, standard procedure, Concord Concord Police said in a news release. Myers was ordered to appear in court on April 27th for failure to return rental property, which is a, a misdemeanor. If the case isn't dismissed, his lawyer, Adam Seifer, said Myers could face criminal charges. And that's not likely because prosecutors would have to prove Myers deliberately held on to the movie for 14 years. Plus, the rental store called J&J's Video is no longer in business. Myers said police should be going after the real criminals, not him. He says, they're not here catching heroin dealers. They're chasing people for movie rentals from places that don't even exist anymore. It just blows my mind. Now, Green, the story of the movie Myers Rented, also expressed his shock at the arrest, tweeting this week that, I just saw this, and I'm struggling to believe it's real. The universally panned Freddie Got Fingered about a wannabe cartoonist who lies about his brother being sexually molested by their father earned several Razzies. And that's like the worst award you can get in the movie business. And it was, um, it was, it, 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 it basically it's awarded only to the movie Bomb, okay? And uh, it was awarded the Razzie in 2002. Uh, Green took the quote-unquote honor in stride, becoming the first winner to accept a Worst Actor Award in person. Now, Ebert, the venerated film critic who died in 2013, said in his scathing review about the movie, this movie doesn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't even the bottom of the barrel. This movie doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence as barrels. <laughs> wow. I know, right? But Meyer said he watched Freddie Got Fingered on Wednesday and gave it two thumbs up. I thought it was great, he said. It was hilarious, and I was laughing all the time, he said. As an added bonus, Meyer said he got an unexpected phone call from Green while his story was blowing up on social media. He said Green, who's currently on tour in Australia, ended up recreating the scene from the movie where Freddie plays a keyboard that allows him to eat sausages at the same time, singing, Daddy, would you like some sausage? We both laughed hysterically, Myers said. 
Green also offered to help Myers with legal fees, says the New York Times. Myers was floored by the call. I almost died, he told the New York Times. All right. So (laughs) I didn't know that you could be arrested for failing to return rental property. I guess that I guess that counts as theft after a while, doesn't it? Yes, I would imagine. But thir- 14 years? 14 years and the place and, the, and the place he rented it from doesn't even exist anymore. So, go figure. I mean, you know, go figure. That's weird. Anyway, that I guess if weird. you have a warrant out for arrest, you know, even if a business is out of business and they're suing you or whatever, or they press charges against you, it's still on your record. So technically, the cops can still get you. All right. Let's yep. move on to entertainment. Okay. What do we got well, for entertainment? Well, we, lo- we lost not really what I consider an icon. He's famous as on TV show. We lost Gary Shandling this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's been, he's been dead nearly 48 hours. But... No death certificate has been signed because we've learned the doctor refuses to do so. Our sources say Gary's primary physician has repeatedly refused to sign because he has no idea how or why his patient died. The doctor says he hadn't seen Gary in more than a year, and as far as he knew, Gary was in good health. The doctor's refusal to sign triggered an official death investigation by the L.A. County Coroner's Office, who will now officially determine cause of death. We're, hmm. we're told the coroner's investigators have already taken blood work from the ER where, where Shanley was pronounced dead. The investigators have also subpoenaed records from the doctor, as huh. we reported. People familiar with the situation tell us Gary Shanley died of a massive heart attack. That was the report I read, too. Yeah, that's that's what I heard that he died of a heart attack and and the the doctor says that he doesn't he's not going to sign it because he doesn't know how Gary died. That, that makes I didn't think that you could do I thought that when doctors sign a death certificate, it's pretty much to confirm he's dead. That you know what dead. I mean? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I didn't know that you had to like you know, is that a thing? Any doctors out there in our listening audience? Is that a thing where you have to know, you know, how somebody dies? I mean, couldn't you just get a hold of the coroner and find out? I mean, <laughs> I don't get it. Hmm. All right. Well, that's it for the uh, entertainment news. So let's go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be hopefully joined by several martial arts masters, and we're going to be discussing cross-training in the martial arts, its pros, and its cons. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please. 
Do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial arts. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert. Your source for martial arts talk radio. All righty. We are back. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. Our phone number is 347-677-0699. So if you want to join us in our conversation about cross-training and martial arts, give us a call. Now, if you don't want to call and you want to uh, send a... Uh, chat messages, just go to our Dynamic Dojo show marquee on Blog Talk Radio and scroll down a little bit and you'll find our chat board. Now, before we get into our discussion topic, I just got this, it just like dinged in on my on my news feed. Um, apparently, a mixed martial arts fighter in New Jersey is under investigation after a graphic video that surfaced on Facebook this week, I think Tuesday, that showed him allegedly allegedly assaulting a teenage boy. The video appears to show a man identified by social media users as MMA fighter Tony Kojikaru punching and slapping the young man who was cowering on a couch. The attacker then kicks the teen in the face before pulling him off the couch and continue, continuing to beat him. In the footage, which went viral this past week with over 2 million views, the fighters taunt the team throughout, 
including at one point screaming at him, shut the fuck up or I'll kill you. Can you imagine? What the heck, man? What's going on? Wow. At another point, I know, right? At another point in the video, the attacker threatens, are you going to call the cops? Toward the end of the footage, the man turns to the camera as if speaking to the person that is filming and says, I told you, if any one of you fuckers, if any of one of you fucks or something, if the cops are called, you're dead. The police say the disturbing clip taken at home in National Park, New Jersey, immediately went viral after it was posted online. However, authorities have not identified anyone in the video or confirmed that the attacker is indeed Tony Kojikaru. They have been in contact with both the attacker and the victim, however. The video took me aback. I was very, very, very shocked to watch what appears to be a juvenile just getting assaulted for no reason at all. So, uh, says West Department Ford Town, West Deptford Township Police Chief Samuel DeSimone. Oh, man. And then um, as the video continued to gain in popularity, the West Deptford Police Department posted a statement on their Facebook page confirming that the clip was under investigation. We want to ensure, we want to assure the public that this ma- that this matter is being investigated thoroughly and both parties seen in the video have been identified. We have ensured that the juvenile in the video is safe and and is no longer in danger at this time. Once this investigation is complete, we will release information regarding the outcome of the investigation. We ask you to allow our department and the appropriate agencies to handle this matter so it can come to the proper resolution. We ask you to refrain from posting any threats toward any parties via social media or otherwise. We thank you for your concern on this matter. Well, I'm not going to post anything, but uh, I'm just going to say something on the radio. And there are pictures of this man who's all like, he's all posing for the camera and stuff like that. It's kind of like, really? Is this roid rage? I mean, come on. This guy's like all muscles. You know, and this kid in the video is not made of all muscle. This kid is getting his head stomped on. He's getting kicked. He's, this is crazy. Why the heck is a grown man beating on a minor? Why? You know, anyway. Right. Sorry, stuff like that just pisses me off. You know, and then if you call the cops, you're dead. Oh, well, we have it on video that you just threatened whoever that was that was filming. You just threatened his life. You know, it's like what? You're threatening me with death because I'm videotaping this. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, anyway. Okay. Well, let's get to our official discussion now. I yeah, this was, This should be a different topic like martial artists that beat on beat on people okay that'll be a different one let's <laughs> try next week folks okay um our subject today is cross training in the martial arts and so far we've got two of our masters on the line with us i'm not quite sure whose number is whose so when i announce your area code please introduce yourself and we'll uh, introduce the other person so the first one first mic that i want to bring up is area code five six two five six two which master is this five six two that would be five, me oh cool <laughs> Clark that would be Sifu Clark 
That would be Sifu Clark. Thank you. For, I was going to say thanks for introducing yourself, Clark. Okay. So let's get on to area code 949. Who's this? <coughs> area code 949. Who's, who's area code 949? Uh, Jennifer. Oh, hi, Jennifer. How are you? Hey. Sure. How are hey, you? Sarah. We've got Sifu Clark Tang and Jennifer, you joining right. us. Yay. And Me so too. far we're waiting on Professor Patrick McDaniels and Master David Reed. So we'll... Uh, We'll get the party started, and they can join us when they're ready. <laughs> or maybe maybe Bob can text them and let them know we're underway. All right, so the the subject today is cross-training in the martial arts. And the reason why me and Bob wanted to do this particular, uh, this particular subject is that, you know, there's some people out there that tend to think that modern MMA is the <clears throat> pinnacle of cross-training. But here's the question that I want to pose to everybody. Is is MMA the only system that practices all four ranges of combat? Now, for our listeners out there, all four ranges of combat include the uh, kicking range, striking range, close quarters striking range, and grappling range. Now, technically, you could add in uh, short weapons range, which would be like stick, sword, that kind of thing. Long weapons range would be like staff, spear you know, halberd, that kind of thing. And that's not including projectile weapons range, which is, you know, firearms and bazookas and cannons and stuff like that. But as far as person-to-person combat, you've got the kicking range, striking range, close quarters, grappling, okay? So here's my question, okay? Everyone thinks that, not everyone, but some people think that MMA is the biggest thing since sliced bread and that it's the only system that trains in four ranges of combat. What do you guys say? Is it the is it the only system that practices all four ranges of combat? Let's start with Sifu Clark, who is a Wing Chun master that deals in all four ranges. <laughs> uh-huh. I think we can we deal more than four ranges. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> if you look, if you look at it, um, I was watching a video which is um. It was on 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. They show all these, uh, the weapon, the most dangerous weapon around the world. Oh, uh-huh. And toward the end, they conclude the best weapon yet is what we have. Our hands, legs, mm-hmm. arms, elbows, shoulders, which is not including biting. Biting is another mm-hmm. dangerous and um, I mean, I study as a martial art, but I would like to get my perspective on Wing Chun, which is um, I believe it's more than four because whatever you want to do with your hand, if you get a weapons or anything, mm-hmm. it is only the extension of your hand. Yes. So that is my um, perspective on that. Right on. Now, very cool. But now, Sifu, there are some elements yes. in Wing Chun that that most are not aware of, that because yes. it's not maybe taught or shown. Wing Chun actually has a grappling element that's not a predominant mm-hmm. element. Am I am I right? 
You are, yeah, you are right. Um, because uh, Wing Chun, as in, if you look at the whole system, mm-hmm. we don't have a ground system, but it doesn't mean that we cannot take care when it comes to the ground. Mm-hmm. Four, mm-hmm. four of you learned the concept and the principle of Wing Chun because there's a lot of concept and principle there. It include almost anything in any system on there. Mm-hmm. So, for example, circling hand, you call it human foul. So anybody mm-hmm. grab you, you all you knew is circling. So circling, it is the way to break free of any grappling. So that is the mm-hmm. concept itself. So that concept is not only the hand, including the legs or the neck. Anything you come in and you got grab circling around, you'll be free. Mm-hmm. So Very cool. And... Mm-hmm. What about you, Bob? What What are your thoughts? I mean, like you know, like I said earlier, there are some people that think that MMA, modern MMA, is the pinnacle of cross training. What are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are there is almost no pure and, and oh boy, am I going to catch crap for this? Especially, I think especially from Sifu, I do not believe that there are any pure martial arts anymore. That Everybody, maybe not intentionally, is cross-trained. But mm-hmm. their evolu- the, the evolution of their art may have come along where it's not as pure as it once was. For example, as a Wing Chun, as an old-time Wing Chun practitioner, I learned to yes. hometown five different ways. Right, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did that make sense, Sifu mm-hmm. Clark? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the Silum Tao, it is the beginning, and um, it is depend on the lineage and your um, your teacher right. perspective. Silum mm-hmm. Tao could be expressed in a certain way, but it doesn't mean it's wrong or right. It's just the way mm-hmm. how you look at it. Mm-hmm. For example, um, in my first Sifu, we, the way we open, it is different a little bit. We have the cross, almost like Grandma the Yipman, and also we have a circling. So mm-hmm. his, his perspective was that we have a straight line, and um, which is horizontal and vertical, plus mm-hmm. there's a circular movement also, which is complete. I mean, any if you look at any martial art, anything at all got to do combative, there, there's only five things, right? Horizontal, mm-hmm. vertical, circular, up and down, and I mean, what are, what always is there if you look at it boiled down to a certain you know movement? Mm-hmm. Does that right make on. sense to you, uh, Master Dell? Or it does. Or it does. Now, mm-hmm. have have you have you cross trained yourself, Sifu? To me, um, Wing Chun. I stick with Wing Chun out there, but to me personally. I train whatever. To me, if it is combative, I use mm-hmm. every advantage I have. The most important is get yourself. Let's see. If I get into a situation, I use whatever it takes to to make it fast. Mm-hmm. And if that, I have to use whatever I have to do. I mean, it depends on, you know, my life threatened all on that. Mm-hmm. But, hey. A real combative is a real combative. The most important is quick and staying alive. You know that? So there's mm-hmm. no limit to, okay, well, this is Wing Chun, this is this. 
everything is whatever. It works. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole, uh, you know, th- that's what I think is the, the, the whole premise behind cross-training, right, to bring, you know, other elements into your into your game, I guess, right? Um, right. However, you know, I've met I've met many people throughout the years that uh, will like dabble in the arts. Like they might spend a year at one dojo and then decide, oh, I wanna I wanna study this other thing, and they're there for a year, and or they might like go to a couple classes somewhere else. And and, right. and then they might flit, you know, they flit around. I call them the, you know, Marshall butterflies. They just kind of flit around to whatever's pretty, right? Would you consider? Yeah. Would you guys consider that cross training, or just, you know, looking for something that fits them? But you know, these these guys that I guys and gals that I've met that do this around, you know, they they go around, you know, and they start spouting off, you know, things that they've learned in these in these uh particular arts um yet don't have enough experience, right? right. to to be able to, you know, make it a, a very informed opinion nor have they been, you know, in any real altercations or whatever, right? Nor have they right. taught, you know, but these people still, you know, I I a few years ago I went to a seminar and there was this, um, I was actually teaching it. It was at a library. And this guy comes up to me um, wearing a hakama, right? And it was just a self-defense mm-hmm. thing at a at a library. He was wearing hakama and keikogi, and he had, you know, a wall hanger sword with him. And I was like, what the hell is this? What the hell is this kid doing? This kid couldn't have been more than, like, 19 years old or something, right? What's this kid doing, I thought. So I came up to him. I'm like, are you here for the self-defense? seminar and he's like yes I am and I'm like you know why are you wearing that so he proceeded to tell me why he was wearing the hakama and he gave me every stereotype or every mythological reason why people wear hakama he didn't tie the hakama correctly nor did he wear a belt underneath his hakama he wore his keikogi backwards meaning like right over left lapel as opposed to left over right and I was just, like, taken aback. Everything that he wore was completely wrong. Yet he was trying to school me about, mm. you know, martial arts and, and stuff. And he was, like, spouting off all this stuff. And I, and I asked him, how long have you been doing martial arts? He's like, oh, I've been studying martial arts since I was eight. And I said, oh, that's about the same as me. What rank do you hold? Right. And he's like, I don't believe in rank. And I'm like, well, you know, rank rank talks and, you know, rank and skill talks, right? Bullshit walks. And I said, what do you, you know, what are you, you know? Well, it turns out that, you know, he really had no formal training in any one thing. He just flitted around from dojo to dojo. And I, and I told him after, after the self-defense seminar, I said, dude, you know, I see where you're going with this. You know, I see what you want to do. Because yeah, he was quoting Bruce Lee, too. Bruce Lee said, you know, style of no style. Bruce Lee said, don't get stuck on, on you know, traditional whatever. And I'm like, well, you forget. Bruce Lee studied a traditional system. And he was yes. he became really good at it before he decided to bring in other stuff. Because he right. knew what to, he knew how to apply 
other things. He just didn't like copy something from somewhere and then said, Oh, I know this. Now I'm a master at it. Right. Um, right. And I don't know whatever became of him. I was like, wow. Okay. Whatever. You know, <laughs> but so, you know, so back to what I was saying, would you consider that kind of training you guys as cross training, flitting from dojo to dojo? Let's start with Bob. Uh, no, that, that's more finding yourself, finding what mm-hmm. works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may, I would consider it cross training if the arts blended together, maybe uh, Aikido to Jiu-Jitsu or, right, right. you know, uh, Wing Chun to Jeet Kune Do. Then mm-hmm. I would consider cross training. But if somebody right. went from uh, a Kalate style to Kungar, Mm-hmm. No. Right, right. Well, I mean that they are kind of similar, but anyway. <laughs> but it's, well, I mean, shut it's up. You big, know what I mean? Yeah, I know, but it's a big jump, right? And but yeah. you know, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, I've I've met people that that you know take like about a year of karate, um, and then they come into they come into kung fu or ushu, and you know it never fails. I always get this. Well, in my dojo, we do this. And I was taught that you do that. And I literally have to stop and go, well, are you, do you want to study wushu or do you want to study karate? What do you want to do? You know? <laughs> you know? But the thing is, though, is that, you know, I guess my point here is, is that you have to open your mind up when you're cross-training. You can't be bringing in other systems expecting this new art that you're training in to be like that system or to be exactly like what you think things should be from what you read or from what you saw in a video or from what you heard from some master, you know, 20 years ago or something, because, you know, in, in, in my eyes, you know, that's, that's not cross training anymore. It's, you know, you, you gotta like open your mind to be able to, to take in the learning to be able to apply it as opposed to just, you know, I know this, this, and this, and this. Anyway, we've got two more callers on the line. Let's take, uh, let's bring this mic up. we got area code 818. Who's this? This must be David. <laughs> no, it's me. It's the lady. <laughs> it's lady. Happy. Yeah, happy Easter, guys. Happy Easter. <laughs> happy Easter. This is a lady. Lady Lelaine Reed. This is the wife of Master David Reed. Let's take area code. Area code 704. 704. Who's this? Professor Daniel. Yeah, that's me. How are you guys doing over there? Hi, really good. It's good to hear your voice, Professor. I know. Good to hear you guys as well. Hope everybody's Easter was good. Yeah, so far so good. Lots of great Easter food. Yeah, very cool. (laughs) So Professor Patrick McDaniel is a uh, professor, master instructor in Kajukenbo. And since we're talking about cross-training, the ultimate mixed martial art, the first, I guess, the first mixed martial art in the United States, Kajukenbo. So we'll be talking, uh, we'll be talking, it'll be great to have you joining our conversation. And Lady is a practitioner of Tang Sudo alongside her husband, David Reed. So we hope to have David joining us in a little bit. Right on. So we're talking about um, 
cross-training. We're talking about, you know, what's considered cross-training. And when you guys came into the conversation we were talking about is, you know, flitting from dojo to dojo necessarily cross-training, or is it more like experimenting and seeing who you are and what you would prefer in the martial arts? So let's uh, – why don't we start with Lady? Lady, what do you think? Do, do you think that people that just go from dojo to dojo, just kind of going, you know, six months here, three months there, blah, 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 you know, do you think that's uh, cross-training? Um, I don't think so. I mean, um, for me, I can only speak on my experience because I do cross-train right right now um, um, under uh, Grandmaster Li Fong doing Waikundo. At the same mm-hmm. time, um, training with uh, Master Jeff Jet, doing mm-hmm. his style Jedokan, and mm-hmm. um, one once a month uh, Wing Chun with a uh, Sifu Clark Tang. Mm-hmm. So, um, just like you, what you said earlier, it's about uh, learning uh, different styles at the same time, but not missing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mm-hmm. my experience, it's, it's uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Now, it's would always you, nice would you, to have an open mind Yeah yeah. What about you Professor Patrick uh, what, Would you consider flitting around From dojo to dojo cross training Or simply you know Finding what you What you would you know like to learn Yeah I, yeah, I think That's interesting if, uh, if you're dojo hopping that's not That's not cross training you know uh, mm-hmm. But if you yeah, if, if you've kind of put yourself in a situation where you study the system uh, to a degree to where you have a basic understanding of the fundamentals, you might mm-hmm. be an immediate, maybe advanced rank, and mm-hmm. you, uh, you you dip into other styles just to see what you can incorporate. You know, that's cross-training, but, you know, not not the dojo hopping, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess it would be one Kimbo, thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's one thing. You know, in fact, the Kimbo, uh, it, it's, it's all kind of been uh, – Systemized, so right. that's not cross training with Kaiju Kimball because it's systemized, it's put together. Right. You know the, the different flavors from the from the fundamental arts. You know, but mm-hmm. then if you have a boxer that comes in once a week because you know he wants to do kickboxing, so nice trying to run some karate moves. You know, you got a mm-hmm. cross trainer going on there, or going right. to jujitsu or judo when he's studying karate. You know, there's cross training there. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Definitely. I guess it would be one thing if someone goes to a dojo and after six months says, oh, well, I know what this is about, and then goes somewhere else. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's those people that I wonder about sometimes, right? Yeah, uh, when I was younger, yeah, the dojo hoppers, yeah. I know this, so I'm going to now go <laughs> somewhere else, you know. And it's like I meet a lot of these guys at the SEA, SEA events and stuff like that, the uh, Society of uh, Creative Anachronisms. I meet a lot of these guys that like, oh, I know this, I know that, and then they basically right. make up their own stuff. And then, you know, I watch them bout at these contests, and nothing that they do is historically accurate, nor exactly. would work. But they happen to beat somebody, and they and they and it builds their confidence, and then it builds their ego too. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm afraid of, is where people, you know, start to confuse cross training. Um, right, with right. mastering each of the arts that exactly. they've been exactly. to, right? Yeah, it's when they say, exactly. "Well, I'm I'm good enough," or "I'm really good," or it's like, "I'm sorry, if you're a master, you would never say 
that you've mastered. Because you're good enough, right? Exactly. Yeah, that you're right? good enough. It takes time. It does. It takes time. And it's like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's uh, you know, that's just something. Now, let's let's delve into MMA, though. In MMA, you know, people are learning, you know, stand-up. They're, they're learning their stand-up striking. They're learning their you know, mid-range fighting, they're learning, they're grappling, and they're, and they're, they're putting this all together. And um, now with MMA, what are your guys' thoughts about it? When you do MMA, is that cross-training, or is it simply a mixed martial art where you take bits and pieces and bring it all together and hope that it wins in the ring? I mean, you know, what are your guys' thoughts on that? <clears throat> Bob, let's start with Bob and go right down the line. You know, I've get, really got mixed emotions about that. Is that cross training? You know, it's only if it is a couple of different arts, and I don't really know what to think about that. You know, you've got Muay Thai, you've got Jiu Jitsu, you've got uh, boxing. I, I'm really mixed because that's not a cross-training atmosphere to go master one and then go to another. It's not like going to a Muay Thai gym and then going to a, a Gracie gym. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, so in my eyes, no, it's not cross-training. Mm-hmm. Sifu Clark, what are your thoughts? Oh, well, you know, I have to agree with uh, Master Bob. Uh, Bob. Cross-training, it means that you have a foundation. Mm-hmm. For example, if you, you know, to me, honestly, let's say, I don't care if you choose any martial art, but it takes time, it takes discipline, and it takes more than physical and a mind. It also takes spiritual. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of style, what kind of system, toward the end, you know what, when, it, when you get to the high level, it's pretty much mm-hmm. almost the same thing. Like, for mm-hmm. example, um, right. for example, like uh, Grandmaster Demora, uh, I don't care, you know, he's karate, but boy, I don't care. You know what, anybody facing him, they have a problem. I don't care what you MMA, your ten champion. It doesn't matter. You know what? Because all it come down is who strikes first. Because he right. he's been doing this for years, and he conditioned himself. Not only the art, he conditioned his body, his mind, and his be ready. Mm-hmm. I think to me, cross training first. Let's let's go back to uh like uh, the school hopping there. And mm-hmm. I, uh, a second again, I agree with Master Bob there. People that hopping to another school, another school, go there, they defining who they are. And or mm-hmm. not only defining because they got this fantasy feeling that, you know what, I'm watching a martial art movie. Oh, I'm going to join in. I'm pretty high up and I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know what, when you go into the school, you get down to the nuts and bolts training. Most people mm-hmm. don't have that. They thought, okay. I mean, I have people ask me, okay, could I do that kick? How long am I going to do that kick, spinning back kick? Mm-hmm. I said, I, what can I tell you? You just work at it, work at it. Eventually, you get it. You see, they're mm-hmm. almost thinking like playing martial art, like uh, training in a university and all that. Nah, I mean, oh, you know, right. totally different. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They cannot, you know, you can take a book, digest it, and you spit out something. Yeah, mm-hmm. but martial art is not about that. It's about more than that. Right. And you, when you develop, when you study a certain system or a certain style, that certain style get on you, and then guess what happened? You're going to come out with, like, for example, like karate, but it's going to be your art if you study mm-hmm. Long enough. Right. So the most right. important and is get a foundation first, and then you know yourself what you need to work on. For example, mm-hmm. you want to, like, for example, like, I had other martial art before, like, you know, like, I had uh, kickboxing, American Kenpo, Tai Chi, whatever. But I chose Wing Chun to be my my base because Wing Chun is the most effective, the most, I like its concept and principle from there, I can mm-hmm. develop my kicking or my punching a certain way. Mm-hmm. For example, I, I brought in a lot of my American Kenpo kicks, but my kick is not like American Kenpo anymore. It's the Wing Chun. But Wing Chun, again, is just the name, but the most important, it is how you can kick more fast, how you can kick more powerful. That's the most important. Mm-hmm. So to say what style, what, uh, you know, like system, it doesn't matter. It is mm-hmm. the way you develop yourself. Right. But Very. The, the point is the foundation, the fundamental, one has to have it first, and that take, takes really time. Yeah. And I yeah. think right now people, they don't have that patience. Like, you know, like Mr. Right. Bob Dale, you know, right. like, we're we're from old school, you know what? We respect our teachers, and we take a lot of things now. It's just like, okay, you know what? We give so much to the student instead of, hey, you know, you come to 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 me to learn. You have to learn my way. It's just like now we have to be like gearing toward them, you know, that what they really want to learn. And I think that's losing the fundamental of the art. It is. Me. Thank you, thank you. I was just gonna, I was just mm-hmm. gonna say, there's m- many schools out there, as well as many people, that want the teacher right. to teach them what they want, right? Now, uh-huh. Sifu Bob, Sifu Bob says this a lot. You know, his teachers always said, mm-hmm. a good teacher will teach you what you need, not what yes. you want. And I can't stress exactly. that enough to anybody listening. A good teacher will teach you what you need, not what you want, or not what you think you want, and not what, and not anything that'll fulfill a fantasy. Because, like Sifu Clark says, you need a foundation. Because you can't build a strong house straight on the ground. You need a foundation, or it'll blow away in the next strong wind. And um, you know, it just it it just behooves me that people expect the teacher to teach them what they personally want. Now, of course, uh, that's not to say that teachers won't teach you what you want. I mean, if I go into, uh, like, let's say, a Muay Thai camp, and I want to build my conditioning, I want to be able to take hits more and stuff. Well, you know, I'm going to assume that I'm going to get it, right? And they're going to teach me what I need to be able to get there, okay? But if I want to be the next Muay Thai champion at age 50, you know, they, you know, are they going to teach me to be that well? You know, they 
could, but would I, you know, would I, you know, get out of a Muay Thai, uh, Muay Thai uh, fight, you know, without any bruises? Alive, yeah. Well, it, it may or may not, right? It depends on the fighter, right? It depends on the person. But, you know, um, and then if I want to be, you know, oh, I want to be a Muay Thai coach in six months. Well, then that's kind of where I know the coaches at that camp would go, um, no. <laughs> no, I'm going to teach you what you need, not what you want. You know, the, you know, Muay Thai is not, you know, a, a weekend warrior, you know, get your certification in like, you know, three weeks type of thing. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm getting at is that, you know, there's too many people out there that – that that will demand from their teachers teach me what I want. I don't want to do this other kind of stuff, right? Uh, because right. that's not what I want, you know. So thank you for mentioning that, Steve Clark. Let's go to Jennifer. Okay. I mean, you're a martial artist too. You know, what do, what do you think? Do you think MMA is cross training, or is it, you know, just a systemized systemized thing where you just learn to not get knocked out? <laughs> Oh. Well, I think uh, foundation is very important. I totally agree with that. Before you kind of get a certain level of understanding to a certain type of martial arts, I think going around a lot of places, they might get confused and just kind right. of like lost in the whole different world. So, yeah, I was just yeah. not really... Uh, yeah, so that's I really enjoy everybody sh- sharing their opinions and knowledge about it. So I always learn a lot. <laughs> oh, good, good, lady. Yeah, what about you? you? What are, what's your What's your opinion, lady, about MMA? Is it cross training or is it just its own system um, now? Um, let's say I feel like um, in martial arts, there's uh, two kinds, right? One for fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, as a sport and one mm-hmm. as an art so mm-hmm. I am very much into uh, the art uh, side of it all so mm-hmm. MMA I see more as a as a sport you know like mm-hmm. people want to fight in a ring for, for their own ego to prove to themselves that they, you know, they are better than the other and I'm not so much into that so um, those uh, guys who are actually uh, training to fight just for that sake, um, you know, if they need it, why not, right? Right. Uh, I wouldn't consider that as cross-training. It's more of a sport. Okay. All right, Professor, what are your thoughts? Is MMA cross-training or a system all its own now? Well, I I, uh, I totally agree with uh what what CC Bob brought up saying Master Claude definitely, you know, but I do think in in its its uh, its popular growth right now, in the time that it's been, you know, um, in in the limelight, I think that there mm-hmm. are, you know, this is just my experience. I think that there are people out there who have systemized it, so you can kind of come into a dojo that says we we teach MMA fighters, and you might go in there now, and there are people in there now that have somewhat systemized some of the standards of jiu-jitsu and karate and boxing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So right. they have to kind of standardize it at, at some point. But I still think that you, you have individuals who just on their own, let me study this and let me study that and let me study that and let me study this. 
you know, but mm-hmm. but basically, I don't consider MMA cross training. I don't. Mm-hmm. Very. Cool. What, what do you feel, though, Professor, about the? Because I know you have them as well as LA about these schools who claim to teach MMA, and technically they are by definition, but not as by what has become a standard. Yeah. Do you know? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It really does. It really does. And then, you know, how do you, de- how do you determine the standard? You know, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your standard, your standard uh, fundamental martial arts style, you know, for your Japanese, your Chinese, your Korean style, these styles that are pretty much popular and, and standard around the world, and then you have the MMA that just popped up with the popularity. How, how do you consider what standard, you know, is for MMA people? You know what I mean? It's going to be different. Right. It depends on who's in the dojo. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and what it is they claim they studied. Uh, I do know a couple of individuals who did like an Imperato thing. If you understand mm-hmm. Coach Dimple, what Imperato mm-hmm. did is he had this mastermind of, uh, of incorporating different styles. But what he did is he brought in those masters, mm-hmm. those individual masters. And, 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 you know, they call themselves the Black Belt Society, and together mm-hmm. they work collectively on each style that they master, and then they, they, uh, they form the standard. You know, so mm-hmm. I do know a couple of, of MMA schools that brought in other people, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to, try to mm-hmm. try to standardize the method. So. Mm-hmm. Right on. I think that, you know, for I think that for many people, not all people, but for many people, uh, when people say MMA, people automatically assume, you know, the people wearing the tap out gear and the and the fingerless gloves and fighting in the octagon and stuff like that. Uh, but when, you know, other mixed martial arts, such as Jeet Kune Do, you know, some styles of Filipino martial arts, uh, you know, and Kaju Kembo, they, they, when, when I say, oh, hey, yeah, we do, you know, we, it's, it's a mixed martial art, you know, it's America's first original mixed martial art, I demonstrate it and people will say, well, that's not MMA. And I'll go, well, yeah, it is. You know, yes, but is. they're expecting they're expecting me to get on the ground and do BJJ. They're expecting me to like yeah, tap someone yeah. out. They're expecting me, exactly. and I'm like, well, no, it's a mixed martial art in that we use, you know, tempo, tempo karate, judo, jujitsu, you know, Chinese right. boxing, you know, right. you know, yeah, and, and Filipino martial arts to protect our safety and our lives. I'm not in this to get in the ring and like tap somebody out and go, Ooh, look, I tapped someone out, you know? Um, but, but, you know, there are many people that, that assume that that's what MMA is. Uh, and you know, I'm not knocking MMA. I love watching MMA. I would love to have the, the, you know, inner fortitude and the ability to take a hit like those MMA people. I do. Uh, But when people start thinking that MMA is that the sport, then it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. <laughs> now, uh, for anyone that wants to join the conversation, you know, join us. We've got a bunch of masters on the line here, and you know, feel free to join us. Our number here is three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Now, uh, the next thing that we kind of want to delve into is, um, you know, the the ability of cross training improving one uh, improving oneself. So. Question number one, does cross-training necessarily improve your chances in a fight? That's the question. Why don't we go ahead and start with Bob again? Well, now this goes back to Sifu Clark. It, it will okay. improve 
if you jump, if, if you go and study a different art and you have the basics, the fundamentals for that art as a foundation and you go to study a different art, yes, it will. If, let's say, you studied boxing, long-range, uh, uh, a long-range art, then you study Wing Chun, close-range art, then you study BJJ, a ground art, yes, that will enhance your chances. Okay. I concur. Awesome. Okay. So, Professor agrees. Uh, What do you think, C.C. Clark? Oh, I definitely agree on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, cross training to me, it just like um, you know, it is improve or enhance what you already have. Does that mm-hmm. make sense, yes, Mr. Bob and Professor? I mean, that's considered cross training, you know. Um, so, in other words, just um, because what you have, like for example. There's a lot of concept of Wing Chun that I do, and there are certain, you know, Wing Chun. There's, they have their their way of training. Like Simon Powell, there's many ways of of learning that. One leg Simon Powell, mm-hmm. blindfold Simon Powell. I mean, there's mm-hmm. on and on there. So in other words, cross training, you do other thing. However, you don't want to to lose your fundamental. In other words, saying because that's what, you know, your you're standing on. Mm-hmm. You could be a karate. Let's see, the best karate. You That's your foundation. You could do a cross training. But mm-hmm. that's why your karate is just even way better. Like Master uh, Grandmaster Demora, I talked to him. He Yeah, he's based on that. But the way he's training, he died into a certain thing that nobody having to depth that part, you know, that. Like the way he conditioned himself, like my God, can you imagine? He conditioned mm-hmm. days and night, days uh, after that years. You know what? If somebody blocked him, you're gonna have a problem. <laughs> you're gonna. So you're gonna, gonna have yeah. a broken arm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have a broken arm. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I got to You know, Sifu <laughs> Clark he said said yeah. it. I don't even know if you realized it, but. Going on with what you said, uh, uh, Rusty, mm-hmm. is the cross-training going to improve the foundation for the art you're coming from as right. well? Yeah. I think that was a very interesting way he put it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I mean, it's, isn't it? I mean, it is, right? Cross-training is to improve. And just for just for giggles, I just typed in in Google definition cross-training, and it says, noun, training in two or more sports or activities in order to improve performance, especially in a main sport. Um, And another one. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. And then here's another one that says, um, uh, cross-training definition uh, can be a verb or a noun to undergo or provide training in different tasks or skills. Um, it's, it's also typically defined as an, as a regimen that uses several modes of training to develop a specific component. So there we go. The specific component is in this case, your foundation, right? To develop mm, your foundation. Right. right? Um, 
you know, and then many people would ask, well, what is foundation? What, you know, is it a set of techniques? You know, is it a specific style? You know, what is it? Well, you know, that's, uh, I guess that's a, another part to the discussion that we'll have here in a sec. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, off, right on. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I do agree that cross-training um, can provide us with more tools in our mm. toolbox to be able to uh, protect ourselves in a fight. Will it guarantee a victory in a self-defense um, situation? Negative. Mm. Negative. No. Yeah, I don't know Negative. if it'll guarantee it because you know I told I told I told this to several students just this week. It's not the style. It's not the method. It's not even the technique. Techniques alone will Practice. get you killed. Yeah. It's your it's your ability to understand the technique and modify and adapt it to fit that situation in that moment in time. You know, um, it's it's the person that will win, not the style. And um, basically, what I told these people were, was that you know it's how you interpret and work with the techniques that you were given, meaning that you you need to be understanding your foundation. And, you know, and winning and sparring matches at the local karate tournament doesn't really mean anything. It means that you're good at sparring, right? You know, don't, don't, and and, and, and these are teenagers, don't, don't confuse, you know, because we do sparring here too, don't confuse winning a sparring match with life or death because it's it's not, it's not, you know, when you spar, there's still that subconscious, well, I don't want to kill this guy, you know, because you're sparring. In a life or death situation, it's completely different. And unless you've been there, and sparring mm. isn't it, unless you've been there, then it, it, it's something that they won't understand. Um, or chi for instance. I'm or, so sorry. Yeah, chi yeah. That's okay. Please, go ahead. Yeah. You know, uh. it's... Is somebody doing dishes? Is somebody doing dishes? It sounds like somebody's <laughs> doing dishes. <laughs> That's weird. Anyhow, anyhow, let's let's go ahead and take another line here. I think we've got we've got we've got Grandmaster Tony Collins on the line here. Uh, Tony, is this you? Yes, it is. All right, on oh, we got Tony on the line. Woo-hoo, all right. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Grandmaster Tony Collins is a teacher of Kempo. So, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on on what we were just talking about, uh, Tony. Um, do you do you think that cross training, you know, has has its advantages and um, and actually like improves one chances one's chances in a fight? I have told my students over all of the years that I have been teaching that if you just stay in this one art, you're crazy because (laughs) it can't cover everything. There's no single art out there that can. We have, as a, for instance, Kajikendo in of itself is a mixed martial art, whether people realize that or not. It's a, it's a karate, judo, kenpo, uh, and boxing. That's where it gets its name. And so that in of itself tells you something very important, that a, a mix of, of all sorts of styles is a necessity 
if you're going to live a life, you know, that has any kind of drama whatsoever in it, and you never know whether it does or not. You can't tell. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you could be in the best neighborhood in the whole wide world, and your house still get robbed while you're in it. Exactly. 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 Now, as far as, like you had mentioned before, about sparring and things like that, that's not necessarily going to get you ready for an altercation, but at least it trains your body so that you can punch out those right. punches, kick right. out those kicks, and not be winded to the point where after you have to do that in an emergency situation, rather suddenly you can't. You're you're too tired, you're too winded, you've practiced nothing but forms and techniques all your life, but you never made real good physical contact. You've never gotten hit really well yourself. And then all of a sudden you're overtaken by somebody who has less skill than you. That's where right. sparring and stuff comes in. That's where it comes in. Yeah. It's handiest. There's nobody it on is. this line that I guarantee hasn't been kicked or hit so hard that you just double over and you're like, oh, man. If you think <laughs> back on that moment right then and there where that has happened and you really give it some thought, Two years prior to that moment in your training, if that would have happened, you wouldn't have been doubled over. You'd have probably been in the hospital or just all the way on the ground, just like, I'm done. Dying, yeah, so, exactly. Right, that's right. A, that's, a good point. that's a good point. It is. It, 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 sparring is important. I do believe it's important um, because it gives you that, that sense. It trains you in that sense of timing and rhythm and right. to not, you know, plan you know, to not go, oh, if he attacks me this way, I'm going to block this way because it doesn't ever happen that way. It teaches you to think on your feet. However, you know, it, it and it does give you tools. However, you know, you know, just and this is just my experience that I don't it, I'm not applying this to everyone. You know, if you get too used to sparring, that's how you're going to fight. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I had true. a friend once. That's very true. I had a yeah, I had a friend once. Uh, really good, really good at Taekwondo, great sparrer, great kicker, fast. Uh, but all they did was touch sparring. And one day he was uh, walking through a parking lot and saw some guy breaking into some other person's car. And he goes, hey, what are you doing? And the guy came out with a knife and just started Hello. swinging, right? And he started sparring with this guy with the knife. And then he, like, clicked out of it and realized, oh, my gosh, this is not sparring, and he, you know, <laughs> broke the guy's arm and finally, like, got into self-defense mode and stuff like that. And uh, and he realized, wow, there, there, there's a difference between the street and, you know, the sport of sparring in a way. Because in a way, it is a sport, it, you know, in a way. Um, but he was like, wow, that's that was funky. He just started, you know, sparring. And <laughs> it's like the dude had a knife. You know, He's lucky that dude wasn't stabbing. Right, right. You know, otherwise he would have gotten shanked. And, you know, mm. and, and unfortunately, you know, there are people out there that I've met, and I know all of you have met them too, that equate sparring with real life, right? And it's like, <laughs> and I know that each of us has been in an altercation. So it's like... You know, and so <laughs> we know there's a difference, right? So, but how do you, with that said, you know, in the cross training, e- even if someone cross trains, how does a teacher get someone ready, so to speak, to be able to deal with a real life altercation and not just spar with some guy with a knife? <laughs> 
what are your thoughts on that? Let's start with Professor Patrick. Well, you know, you have to try to definitely create the uh, create the um, the situation in your dojo as close as close as you can. Uh, it can be pretty freaked out, and it depends on depends on your own experience and some of the you know some of the the, the life tasks that you had had to go through it yourself as a teacher. And some some teachers that I know have never really been in a street fight before in their lives. So how do <laughs> How do they recreate that situation? Now, when you're right. pulling a lot of students, you're pulling the students. You know, you're you're teaching in a uh, you're teaching in a community that's a gated community, and these kids have never been in street fights in their life. What they what right. they call a is an argument. That's not a fight. You know, yeah. A fight a fight is coming up. You know, in those neighborhoods in the park when you know when kids get upset with each other, man, they throw down. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, this will be a fight. So you you try to create those situations best you can, and you have those emotional those emotional stories. You know, a good teacher is able to to make his stories penetrate the minds and the hearts of his students. You know, if you've sure. got that experience, what comes from the heart touches the heart, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of let those things out and pour into the minds and the hearts of these students, so they can feel uneasy about about what can possibly happen in life. Do you feel that? Do you feel cautious now that you're, you know, you're walking home and it's dark, and when you're walking through the mall or through a parking lot, how do you feel? That feeling, that's the realistic feeling that you have to. Now you have to train for that feeling. That's the feeling you have to train for. You know, so the teachers really got to get that out and try to make those situations real. You know, so Mm -hmm. we use plastic knives and our wooden knives and our and our, our fake clubs, but the attitude. We have to yes. apply the attitude. What attitude are we using when we use these plastic knives and these rubber guns? You know, what's the attitude? Mm-hmm. You know, you you got to apply the attitude. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, lady, what what are your thoughts on that? How does a teacher, you know, take any martial artist, even a cross-training one, how, how does one ready a student for real life? Um for my point of view, you know, um, I am I am lucky I have my grandmaster Reed, you know. Uh, he's been in education, so he could explain it to, it, to the students. Uh, but for me as a sensei, uh, my first goal is to just uh, uh, inform the student first that there is a difference between uh, self-defense in, a, in the dojo and uh, self-defense in the street. Now, right. if they train in the dojo, how to protect themselves, they would have automatically the self-confidence, you know, to actually not create a situation wherein they would be uh, outside there on the street. Um, You know, they wouldn't attract those uh, negative uh, fights, right? Mm -hmm. So they would be staying away from from situations that they would have to use uh, self-defense. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, but then again, at the same time, uh, we are teaching them how to defend themselves. So uh, I agree with um, with um, Master McDaniel's that uh, it's different out there. So it's still better to learn and uh, make the students ready for whatever it is that they may have to face, right? Right, 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 right. And uh, Sifu Clark, what are your thoughts? Yes. 
Um, well, you know, um, it came to my mind. This is what my I remember what my sifu said. You know, he said, "You know what a real kung fu is?" We asked him, "Somebody do real kung fu or not?" He said, "If you piss enough uh, a person, his real kung fu is gonna be out." Mm. So another word of saying. <laughs> Even a person do not never learn how to fight before. If mm-hmm. you really piss him off, trust me, it will come out anything. <laughs> so to me, I believe you can train technique, you can train whatever you want, but we're missing the state of conscience, the state of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, the warrior spirit. Mm-hmm. The most important, I think, when we have like. Uh, like Sensei uh, Lady Reed saying that when you train in the in the school environment, it is different. Almost like in the lab, you try um, you do try on arrow, and in mm-hmm. a safe environment, mm-hmm. like chi sound or sparring, it's not a fighting. A fighting, a real fighting, had, is very dirty. And oh, okay. I don't mm-hmm. I don't care what kind of title you hold, or I don't care what it is. Look, your bad days come, you will you will get knocked down. You know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of factor involved there. So the most important, I think, psychologically, you gotta be ready when you get a fight. Mm-hmm. To me, the way the way I said, you know, like my way of approaching the fight is that you have to resolve all your problem with the person. Without getting mm-hmm. to a fight, just like Bruce Lee said, right? A, a, a fight doesn't have to be a fighting. If you need to mm-hmm. drag him off the boat, that would be fine too, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like that movie into the dragon. Yeah, yeah. So drag him off the boat. Yeah. But if somebody really seriously in danger, and I'll say, you know what? If this is a last resort, this is what you have to do. What you have to do, I think you got to be ready. I mean, you know what? Psychologically, you gotta be ready. That you know what, it doesn't matter. You gotta be ready to die when you fight. Yeah. That may my exactly. way of fighting. You know what, I'm not playing around. When I fight, I'm giving it all, and that mm-hmm. force. <laughs> it just, mm-hmm. it just is that spirit. Like for example, the spirit of Wing Chun. We fight, we play, mm-hmm. we chi sao, we you know we laugh, we have a good time. You know. It's more like a social club, but you talk mm-hmm. about real fight. That's a saying: a fist has no mercy. That means you fight. That means you're ready to die. If you're not ready to die, don't fight. To mm-hmm. me. So exactly. that's my thought. I like that. I like that. I I actually told a student that not long ago. Mm-hmm. You know, if once you approach something, I mean, if it's a really if it's really a life or death situation, not just some, you know, sparring thing or something like that, you have to accept that you might die today. Mm. Not victory. Don't concentrate so much on, oh, I'm going to win, because that's going to take away 50% of your ability. Okay, you just better be ready to die. And if if the other person dies, then, oh, hey, look, you know, you happen to walk away. And that's that, you know, too many people think of a victory I told this person, too many people think of a victory as I won, I vanquished, I killed the other person, and, I, and I'm and i alive. No, it just meant that, you know, you have another day where you get to walk 
That's pretty just, just lucky, that, I think, right? to me. Yeah, yeah, lucky, right? I mean, and it's like, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. But anyway, all right, Tony, Master Tony. What's I'm your, supposed uh, to follow up all of that, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from, from the moment Patrick opened up his mouth, all I've been doing is nodding my head yes to everybody on the board. Of course, <laughs> everything that, that has been said is all excellent points. The the idea of training to reality, as Patrick had mentioned before, is just so incredibly important. But also mm-hmm. the mindset and the spirituality that goes with that, knowing that when you walk into a situation, you never know what you're walking into. A person exactly. could have anything on them, and you have to go with the and I tell every student I have, you can't go with equal mentality. You have to go with that mentality that says that I'm going to survive no matter what I have to do to the person in front of me. Right. Because at any given point in time, they could be reaching behind their back to grab a weapon that you just didn't know they had. So yeah. you have to have all of those things together, and you have to have the balance of those things to come to realize. We live in a time where times are getting more and more violent every single day. We mm-hmm. see so much happening right now. There are people being bombed, people being shot, people being taken out constantly. And, mm-hmm. and it's it's not just overseas anymore. It's not just something that we can yeah. point to. Well, it's still in Europe. No, it's here. It's mm-hmm. here and now. So you need to straighten up that mental attitude and come to realize that your next fist fight is not going to be like it used to be back in the day where you two-punched it out, went into right. the nearest bar, tossed back a drink, and everything was fine. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's much more dangerous, and we as martial artists have a responsibility to make absolutely certain that our students know that that's the mentality they have to be in. And they right. have to set themselves in that goal to not just, like you said, not just a victory, not just a win, to absolutely positively be the person that walks away. Right. 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 Well, I guess, you know, I guess all of this boils down to it does, it does, you know, pay to, to cross train because, you know, like you said, Master Tony, you know, if someone has a knife that you didn't know they had or whatever, then if you don't know how to fight against the knife, then you're kind of effed up at that point. You know, I mean, you know, I've I've met and I'm and and I know Bob's met a lot of people that oh I prefer to only fight with a stick, or I don't need a stick I can fight with my hands. Well, if you don't know how to fight against a knife or a Hello. stick or a sword or whatever, right. and you only want to stick with a sword or a stick or empty hand, you're screwed because now you you don't have the tools to deal with that extra added, you know, that extra added feature in the fight. Oh, they have a knife and I don't know what to do against it. Or I've never trained against it. You know, that kind of thing. You know? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny how that works. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes and I do want to uh, get into the other part about cross-training here. Advantages and disadvantages. Okay, well, let's go ahead and start with Bob. What, Bob, what do you think are some advantages and disadvantages to cross-training? Well, cross-training, uh, the main one is uh, versatility. You'll mm-hmm. understand maybe you'll, you'll go from, uh, let's say, uh, Wing Chun to Filipino martial art. Now you've got mm-hmm. an empty hand understanding. You've got a weapons understanding. 
mm-hmm. and maybe you want to go to jujitsu, I think it opens up your library, and that is mm-hmm. the the pro. Now the con, and this comes from somebody actually here in town uh, that will not allow any cross training of his students okay. because mm-hmm. he feels they'll get confused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. that is part of it. Maybe it is a confusion. I'm sorry. They're grown people. If they get confused, they should stick with one arm. Yeah. You have and to maybe that's to part it. of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was going to put it some other way, but I was going to get some nasty hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can see people getting confused if they're very young. Okay. And you know, and 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 the word "very young" is relative. What I'm what I usually mean is very young in in that art or the arts or whatever. And 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 there's also confusion with people saying, "Well, I've done martial arts since I was like you know, one year old." Well, that's great, but which one of them are you good at? None. <laughs> which one of you? Which one have you trained in at length? Because I'm sorry, three years ain't gonna do it, right? right. Which which one of which one of them have you trained at at, le- at length? None. Well, then, then you've been practicing martial arts since you were one years old. But do you understand it? Really, not just like spouting off like book book learning this and book learning that and video. I I, I know it because I watched the video. It's on the internet, sure. so it has to be true. <laughs> you know, the, that kind of thing, right? It's uh, that's that's so. I think that's where the confusion sets in. If someone's too young in the arts, then they they can get confused because they 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 won't know how to separate it well enough to be able to integrate everything else later as they get more experience. I think that's where the confusion lies. So I see right, that person, exactly. I, yeah, I see that person's reasoning, but to never allow someone to cross train. That's um, that's. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. All right. Silly. And, yeah, next on the list we've got, let's have Tony. What What do you think are some advantages and disadvantages, pros and cons to cross-training? Obviously, the advantages are you can improve your own personal self-defense mechanism. You can mm-hmm. become exactly what you set out to become by cross-training. And you can very seldom do that with any one single art, or you may never do that with any one single art. As uh, Sifu Bob was pointing out a second ago, you can recategorize the things that you do know versus the things that you don't know. But here's a real big important step. You must have a base martial Mm -hmm. art. You must have a martial art that above all else, this is what you've always wanted to practice. This is what you will always revert back through or back to, and everything else is to improve upon yourself and this base martial art. If yes, you do it sure. that way, then you have increased your base martial arts ability. If you do it mm-hmm. like you said, where you bounce around from pillar to post in the martial arts community, spend two years here, two, three years there, two years here, two or three years there, you're not really building a good foundation in anything. And what's going to happen is you're going to be caught unawares. Somebody will get you rather quickly and rather easily who has a really good base underneath them. You won't mm-hmm. know how to deal with that kind of strength because you won't have it. Exactly. Exactly. There's well, so I need to point people. something out. 
Tony just shared this post by our good buddy John Border. Don't do a technique five times and wait for your instructor to tell you what's next. Do the technique 500 times and wait for your instructor to tell you to stop. Yes, I shared that too on my Seattle Wushu page because so many, I was just going to bring that up. So many people like will do a technique five times, quote unquote, and then look to what's next. What, what else do I get, right, um, as opposed to practicing something 500 times and having the teacher go, okay, 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 <laughs> stop, right, you know. Um, I was just going to say that, if there, you know, there, there are people out there that will make stuff up and consider that their base. They will put together like a, a chop suey type of stuff, and they'll use that as their base when, in fact, you know, it's like making a, foundation for a house out of sand not cement it'll hold it up for a, for a little bit and then eventually the rain comes up oh, the sand's gone now your house falls right it's uh you know it's kind of like that and that's what master tony's thinking about you have to have a foundation all right sifu clark pros and cons to cross training um the pro and the con of cross training to me if you lay a foundation, it is a pro. If you don't have a foundation, it is a con. Mm-hmm. So, so you gotta <laughs> you gotta find your base, find your base. And again, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of style or system out there, but you you have to stick for a while. Let's see. For example, American Kenpo. American Kenpo mm-hmm. is a great art. You stuck for a while. How? By being stuck for a while, you, you have to train yourself physically, mentally, mm-hmm. and spiritually. you got to get mm-hmm. through all of that, and that would be your base. And uh, to me, a cross-training, the pro is that you now, you, you spend so much time learning one art, you listening to other people, and now cross-training is I'm like, okay, I'm going to do what, what I think that I should do. For example, if my kicking is slow, Improve on your kicking. Well, um, if you you can look at other system. Well, the taekwondo kick a certain way. You can sort of blend it to your own. There's nothing wrong with that to me. Cross training, right. all it is is customize whatever weapon that works for you. So it is the mm-hmm. pro on that way. However, the base is important. Without bases, you're just defeating yourself. You know I. You know, we have met a lot of people going through, like, maybe a weekend um, seminar, and they say, oh, wow, mm-hmm. you know, I do Wing Chun. I know Wing Chun. You don't know Wing Chun. Yeah, <laughs> right. Spent a, most of my lifetime, I never know. You know, it's still so much learned. The more yeah. I know, the more I don't know. Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's people that go to seminars and, and stuff like that, oh, I know Wing Chun. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, right? Let's we can go on and on about that. That's a different show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Patrick, uh, what are your thoughts on pros and cons of cross hey, training? Yeah, definitely the pros are if if whatever the foundation is. I love the I love the whole foundation conversation. You know, because what are, what is the foundation of an art? Somebody taught that to you. Somebody mastered that. You know. You don't just create a foundation when you don't really understand what it takes. So somebody mastered it, something taught it to you, you understand that foundation. If you understand how to apply that kick, that punch, that block, 
how, how to apply those foot maneuvers properly, how to apply your timing properly, then you'll understand the foundation. And then you can grab a hold of something else because guess what? Things that are equal to the same things are equal to each other. Ultimately, mm-hmm. are there to survive. So whether it's a Korean art, a Japanese art, or American art, or Chinese art, ultimately you're learning that art to survive. So understand mm-hmm. the foundation. So if you don't understand the foundation, if the master didn't really get that to you, or you didn't pay attention closely enough, then that's definitely going to be a con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Totally agree. <laughs> yep. Um, I I tend to think that as far as a pro in cross training, it kind of gives you kind of like that. Um, oh, I I I don't know. Uh, kind of like that P90X effect where where it it trains different areas of your mind and and your body so that way you're not just stuck on one way of moving. So that's right. you know that's a that's a pro. Um, a con, I think, would be that 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 you automatically think that you're invincible because you're cross training in a right, way, right. or that you or that you um, that you resonate more with one particular style and you try to apply only the concepts of and philosophies of that style to all the other ones. And that's that's where I think the confusion happens. Um, well, we've got only about three minutes, but let's go ahead and take one more phone call. Area code nine zero eight. You're on Dynamic Dojo. Who's this? Hi, uh, my name is John Anamali. I'm a student of yours. <laughs> oh yeah, this is, um, this is my uh, this is my student, uh, John. <laughs> and hey, John, how you doing? We got about three minutes, buddy. I'm doing uh, great. I just wanted to chime in real quick. I've really been enjoying the show. Uh, I think. Um, you know, I think every martial art that is really good is going to teach you the fundamentals of grappling, of kicking, of punching, of um, trying to get to that point of pressure point striking. And, you know, that's why I've always stuck with Kung Fu, but I, I feel that there are some great karate masters out there that would be able to fight on the same level as like a Shaolin Abbot. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, what I really wanted to talk about is earlier you were talking about being ready for life or death situations. And mm-hmm. I feel that one of the reasons Bruce Lee went or is said to have gone to bar to bar and pick fights is to break away from the dojo atmosphere or the monastery-like atmosphere or wherever he trained. And uh, to, um, sorry, I've been nervous talking over this, but to condition himself to be able to fight in a life or death situation. Because if you just sit there and do your kung fu with your buddies all the time, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna be prepared for when the guy pulls the gun or the knife. And like me personally, like I've had somebody pull a gun and a knife on me, and like as I've gotten older and I've trained more, it doesn't scare me because I'm ready to die, you know. But I'm also what I wanted to point out, which none of you uh, Sifu's talked talked about, is you know when we train people in these arts, they gotta be aware that if you use it against somebody, you're probably gonna kill them. And how many people can live with actually taking a life? I know that. I condition and have conditioned from an early age to be prepared for it because I think it was Sifu Bob earlier that said we live in a very violent age. So you really got to be prepared to take a life or your life to be taken. And I just really appreciate you guys talking about that because a lot of masters these days, it's all about the ranking system and they don't, they don't indulge the, the topic of 
you know, the life or death on the streets and using your martial mm-hmm. arts to survive. So right. that's all I really wanted to say. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Well, well thanks thank for you, calling John. in. Thanks, John. Yeah, I'm well, used to, I've never been on, I've never spoken to so many masters at once, so whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, yay. Welcome to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. <laughs> All right. Well, well you taught it right. But, yeah. But with well, that said, Rusty, I, I do want I do need to point out something to you. What's if that? you've got a student out there that is, is not afraid of a gun or knife, I should you should have him committed. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's relatively new. He's re- like relatively. Oh, new. okay. I had okay, no yeah. idea that he wasn't afraid of a gun or a knife because personally, I think that I think it's crazy to not have. I fear, you know, because, yeah. yeah, I mean, because it's like, okay, a lot of people think, oh, I'm not afraid of a gun or a knife. That makes me brave or that makes me ready to die or that makes me better suited to protect myself. You know, I even think, the best samurai. I think it's respect the gun or the knife might be better. Yeah, res- respecting, yeah, respecting the gun or a knife. Respect the not blade, afraid, yeah. Yeah, and you're not afraid. Okay, there's 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 a difference here because I think some people tend to misunderstand, you know, being ready to die with not being afraid. There's a difference, right? Yes, being ready to die, so. being being ready to die means that you've accepted the fear of losing a life and transcended that. That takes training, not just sitting around going. I'm not afraid of it, you know, that kind of thing. So it does, it does take training. And, uh, you know, as the training progresses, I think people will learn more about it. Uh, but anyway, we are out of time. I'm surprised we're still on the line instead of, uh, instead of, uh, Kick, kicked off. You bet. yeah, exactly. So thanks for listening, everyone. Tune in next week as we have another great discussion topic for all of you to join in on. Have a great rest of the weekend. Happy Easter. We'll talk to everyone next week. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye.